Every so often throughout the course of history, patriots rise up at a time of need for truth and freedom. These people are called disciples of liberty for their undying love of freedom. The call has been sounded. Will you answer that call or sit back and let freedom die away? Unifying patriots everywhere against the evil trying to destroy America's freedom. You're listening to the Disciples of Liberty radio show on the America Out Loud Network. Now here's your host, Tim Alders. Welcome to the Disciples of Liberty show. I'm Brian Hyde, sitting in for Tim Alders here on the America Out Loud Network. Thanks for stopping by. Hopefully you'll find some light, truth, and encouragement to continue to stand your ground in a time where it appears uh, the purge of the non-compliant is uh, just barely getting underway. What an interesting time that we live in. And, and where do you begin? I've got a great article from Jeffrey uh, Tucker from the Brownstone Institute that illustrates uh, some of the the incredible shift that we have seen in the last 20 months. But uh, I'm also looking at the news headlines and I'm seeing over and over how there are people who, for for whatever reason, I don't care what the reason is, who've said that, look, I'm not going to get the vaccine and are being terminated from their jobs. What a choice to have to make. And, of course, you know, the things, look, we're not forcing you to do anything. We're just going to take away everything that matters to you, your ability to feed yourself, your ability to provide for your family, your ability to function in society. We're just going to take it away until you do what we want. What's the big deal, right? <laughs> like, who could possibly have a problem with that? I'm looking at a headline here. United Airlines set to terminate 593 workers for refusing COVID vaccine. Unreal. This is not, this is saying nothing of the, the various hospital workers, you know, in, in New York and, you know, healthcare workers elsewhere. How about military members? Now, okay, we could tread, we could tread into some dangerous territory here on the, on the military members. This is not to say that a person, you know, deserves what they get when they join the military. But um, from what I understand from people who have served in the military, they make it pretty clear when you enlist or when you re-enlist, that you are agreeing to do what you are told, even if the rules that are written down change suddenly and without warning. You're still expected to. You know, if if the order is go attack that enemy, you know, outpost, you do it because you've been ordered to do so. If the order is take the vaccine, you do it. So buy the ticket, take the ride. I'm I'm not trying to denigrate anybody who's who's having that uh, that crisis of conscience right now and is in the military. I just remember a conversation that I had with a good friend of mine, good patriotic guy. This guy served aboard um, nuclear submarines. Fascinating stories he can tell about his time in the military. And I was sitting there having dinner with him and some family members one night, and his niece, who had graduated school recently and was looking, you know, what to do with their life, uh, she said to him, you know, I'm thinking about... Uh, Thinking about joining, I don't remember which branch, 
I'm thinking of joining the military. And he says, uh, why, why are you going to do that? And she says, I want to get the GI Bill. I want them to pay for my college. And it was very revealing to me to hear this good patriotic vet tell his niece, honey, this may not be a good time to become a piece of government property. And I know, you know, people may, well, hey, that's not fair. But it was it was his take, not mine. And I just thought it was an interesting warning for him to tell her. Basically, he was saying, you know, there, there are times when this would have made more sense, but given some of the things that are being asked of our military, given some of the ways that our military is being used and, and being turned into kind of a social laboratory, maybe not such a good idea. So I'm not condemning anyone who has voluntarily joined the military and, and you know, sees themselves giving back, you know, to, to this great country. But the people who are running the show, yeah, I would say think twice. They're they're much more concerned about appearing woke and sufficiently diverse, you know. My goodness. Can can you imagine what the remake of Saving Private Ryan is going to look like? Because I'm I'm thinking they're going to have to redo it. There was way too much toxic masculinity. Why, you know, not only were there women uh, very underrepresented there on the beaches of Omaha, you know, the Omaha beach during D-Day, but uh, frankly, there was almost no transgender, you know, representation at all. All right, I'm being a bit facetious, but it's like, yeah, because the way history played out, (laughs) that was the least of the concern of any of the people either defending that beach or storming that beach. Ah, oh, the craziness just grows. Speaking of craziness, I, I wanted to share this with you just because it's rare. I'm, I'm cynical enough and it's rare that there's anything that really knocks me back in my chair. But when I saw the clip of Governor, uh, is, her, is it said Hochul, Hochul? Anyway, the, the appointed governor of New York, the one who took over for Cuomo. So she's unelected. And she was speaking at a Christian cultural center in Brooklyn. So keeping in mind, this is the audience she's speaking to. So, you know, it's not like this was a typical political stump speech. But Governor Hochul was telling them, she says, I need you to be my apostles. I need you to go out and talk about it, meaning the vaccine, and say we owe this to each other. We love each other. Jesus taught us to love one another, and how do you show that love but to care about each other enough to say, please get the vaccine because I love you and I want you to live. I want our kids to be safe when they're in schools. I want to be safe when you go to a doctor's office or to a hospital and are treated by somebody. You don't want to get the virus from them. You're already sick or you wouldn't be there. We have to solve this, my friends. I need each and every, I need every one of you. I need you to let them know this is how we can fight this pandemic. Wow. I mean, I'm looking at the complete transcript and I just think, what an amazing, <laughs> what an amazing thing to, first of all, to uh, to say, you know, we are not through this pandemic. I wish we were, but I prayed a lot to God during this time. And you know what? God did answer our prayers. He made the smartest men and women, the scientists, the doctors, the researchers. He made them come up with a vaccine. So we're going to blame the vaccine on God, are we? Okay. No, look, it could be. Maybe for some people it really is a godsend. But from there, the governor goes on and then she insults us. But you know there are people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. You know who they are. I need you to be my apostles. Holy cow. 
You know, people get a little bit bent out of shape when there's a mixture of uh, tr- of church and state. Well, here's one of those instances where maybe it, it shouldn't be mixing. And if there's going to be this religious-like zeal, and, and please, you know, don't tell me that there isn't already some religious-like zeal in the way that some people go about trying to uh, convince others, you know, you need to wear a mask, you need to socially distance, you need to close your business because you're non-essential. You want to work here? You got to get the jab. I mean, it's, it's portrayed as you still have choice, but isn't it clever how that choice is being eliminated as, as quickly and as thoroughly as possible? Let's go, to, uh, let's go to Jeffrey Tucker's article. This is again from the Brownstone Institute, and it's called The Purges Have Begun. Now, he starts with how this began. So let's walk it back to, you know, prior to the holidays of 2019. The virus was here in the U.S. already for months from 2019. And life went on normally. But once the consciousness seeped in and politicians panicked, we very quickly moved from travel restrictions to lockdowns to mask mandates to domestic capacity restrictions to vaccine mandates. Crazy. And somewhere along the way, we learned to classify people by their profession. You remember, essential or non-essential? Stigmatize the sick. Oh, you got COVID? Well, it's your fault. You know, we blame the sick. And finally, to demonize the non-compliant. So it's been 20 months of intensified controls driven by political leaders from both parties with precious little dissent from media organs. Now, Jeff Tucker says the pace has been furiously fast, but somehow just slow enough that people and media personalities adjust to what's new. The cycle proceeds and last week's shock becomes this week's normal. And then politicians scramble to create the next big intervention, covering previous failures with new nostrums, all while ignoring or censoring opposing views. Even hard-won scientific knowledge of a hundred years, for example, natural immunity, has been memory-hold. It doesn't fit the narrative. We reference Orwell often because there is a dystopian feel to it all, describable best by reference to stories we only imagined through the help of books and movies, things like The Hunger Games, Matrix, V for Vendetta, Equilibrium. They all come to mind. Now, Jeffrey Tucker says the policies have been bad enough, but the political polarization has been the real poison. In history, we've seen where this leads. New and random mandates from political leaders become loyalty tests. Compliant people are viewed as enlightened and obedient. The non-compliant are regarded as stupid and probably politically threatening. They are purgeable. In this particular case, the mainstream media has argued for months that non-compliance correlates very closely with Trump support, which everyone knows is a civic sin of the highest order, even though he won the presidency five years ago. This realization was an invitation to the Biden administration to ramp up its mandates, finding any and every means to get the federal bureaucracies to penetrate the policy walls to the states that exist under the Constitution. And they easily found the agency Occupational Health and Safety Administration. Twisted a few words, and like magic, they discovered a basis on which to override state-based limits on vaccine mandates. So now we have our government using medicine as a means of political punishment. Now, one tip-off of the political agenda here is that the data associations of the unvaxxed by Trump support only works with about 50 data points 
meaning state boundaries. You expand that out by county-level data with 3,000-plus data points, and the correlation almost entirely disappears. In fact, if you look at the vaccination by race and income, you will find very low compliance among voters usually associated with Democratic support. So the war on the red states being waged by the federal government today is really just about consolidating political support state by state. Now, regardless, the effects of the mandates are real and devastating for millions of people. People are losing their jobs because they're unwilling to go along. And all of this occurs in the midst of a chronic labor shortage. Bosses are being told by the government to dismiss people from their jobs just when their companies are struggling for resources. Now, Jeff Tucker says, look, there are a lot of reasons to refuse these mandates. People with previous infections know they have better immunity than they could get with a vaccine, and they want that to count, even as the CDC refuses. And this is particularly true of healthcare workers. Others prefer the, prefer the risk of COVID to the risks, and these risks do exist, of vaccine side effects. Others simply resist the demand that they pump their bodies with a medicine developed with tax dollars for which the private companies bear no liability at all. It feels like an invasion of the body that should never be tolerated by a free people. But some people still imagine themselves to be free to choose, and the punishment for this is to lose their jobs. Now, the biggest impact will be felt immediately in the state of New York. The governor, a new person named Kathleen Courtney Hochul, to replace the bad guy, is all behind the Biden order. In particular, she's imposing this on health care workers. As many as 70,000 people will lose their jobs as health care workers, even as hospitals are complaining and struggling to deal with staffing shortages. Now, she's issued an executive order that contemplates forcing people who are enlisted in the National Guard to be deployed as scabs to replace the health care workers who will be fired from their jobs. And it's hard to imagine how all of this will work. I mean, it comes very close to being a form of conscription in the health sector, replacing a voluntary system with a compulsory system. How do you suppose that's going to work out for the patient? But Jeffrey Tucker says the most shocking aspect of this is that it targets the very workers who put themselves on the line in the early days of the panic. The world cheered in the spring of 2020. New Yorkers stood outside their windows and sang songs as staffing shifts took place. They banged pans in appreciation. There were all kinds of nurses, technicians, and doctors. Here they were putting themselves in harm's way at a time when people were unsure of the risk profile of the disease itself. And many gained natural immunity through exposure. They know what that means because they're all trained in virology. They know that nothing beats acquired immunity via exposure, especially with a coronavirus with a changing profile that a vaccine just can't compare to. That's precisely what 100% of the studies have shown since that time. And yet here we have governments imposing the shots on people, the ones who took the risk, gained the immunities, and now refuse to take another more potentially, potentially more deadly risk from the vaccine, which operates not like vaccines of old. A correspondent writes, My wife is a triple board-certified doctor in the Bronx. She worked at the hospital that had the highest COVID death rate of all in New York City. And she went down hard with COVID in April 2020 and missed two months of work. 
Now, she recovered and went back for 15 years. She served the poor, underprivileged patients on welfare in the Bronx. None of them had private insurance. She resigned on Friday, and I could not be more proud of her. She is not bowing to this tyranny. She tested her antibodies several times, and they remain high. Please keep up this fight. Many nurses took the vax against their will because they could not afford to miss a paycheck. These mandates must fail. And as if things couldn't get more preposterous and terrifying, of course, Governor Hochul channeled God himself to say this vaccine is not only a healing sacramental, but also morally obligatory for any true believer, aligned to demarcate the saints and sinners. So this is no longer about scientific confusion. This is starting to look like an old-fashioned political purge, whether justified by fake science or theology. It is happening at many levels of society. In Massachusetts, dozens of state troopers are resigning. Healthcare workers in North Carolina are resigning. It's happening in Nebraska, California, and many other areas of the country. And hospitals in many other industries are worried. I mean, even Navy SEALs are being told they will not be deployed if they don't get the jab. Now, this is not lost on the Biden administration. This tactic seems to have been hatched in the summer. That is the idea of harming their political enemies, not exclusively, but predominantly. But apparently no one really cares. And in academia, the problems are heating up as well. Todd Zawicki of George Mason University School of Law sued over the mandate. He proved that he had natural immunity and won an individual concession from the school, but the policy remained unchanged. How do you like that? He forced him to admit, yes, in your case, we do have to admit you, but they still wouldn't change their policy. Hmm. Now, he's just one person, but there are thousands of others, most of whom are quiet about their plight. They don't have lawyers. They're considering just giving in. They wonder what the point of resistance really is. And among them are serious scientists who wake up daily wondering why we live in a world in which the denial of science has become required doctrine and why they're being forced to choose between their principles and their income and profession. It's a grim time, one we never imagined we would face in the modern world, much less here in the U.S. The party in power wants to remain in power forever, which is a story as old as time. The virus is just simply the excuse of the day. And the trouble is that they've been wrong in so many ways with so many victims that the whole scenario is unspeakable. Jeffrey Tucker says, we've been here before. And the ultimate solution comes down to a choice between two paths for the ruling regime. Admit the wrongdoing or purge those who believe things they should not. By the way, just as an aside, I believe I saw a news headline earlier today that YouTube is going to ban all content related to being uh, against the vaccine. Uh, It's convenient. They call it the anti-vaxxers. YouTube bans all anti-vax activists and anti-vax content. It's like 1984 met uh, Fahrenheit 451 and they had a really ugly child. That's what it looks like. So... The idea that uh, they're purging people who believe things that they shouldn't and trying to keep us from believing or being exposed to things we shouldn't believe, I think it's real. And it would appear that that purge attitude is the prevailing one. The vaccine mandate has become the tool of choice. You either submit or see your job melt away. This is where we are today. 
And Jeffrey Tucker says, remember, we're not talking about smallpox, nor are we talking about private companies exercising discretion. We're dealing here with a virus with a 99.8% survival rate and a vaccine that was oversold and has so far underdelivered. And so he asks, where is the human conscience in all of this? Does it even exist among the ruling class machine? What happened to the old and settled concern for civil liberties, scientific integrity, minority rights, even bodily integrity? Jeffrey Tucker says the political purge of institutions is part of a larger drive for purity in our society. Some have called it the new Puritanism. And the moniker fits. It's all about separating the clean from the unclean, defined by whatever the priority of the moment happens to be, biological, moral, or political. What began as a push for a pathogen-free nation has moved to become the stigmatization of the sick and then a push for universal vaccination, even though none of it makes sense. The jab does not protect well either against infection or spreading the virus. So the symbolic act of medical or medicinal compliance easily becomes a physical sign of political compliance. The ID card. And then that becomes the basis of the reductio ad absurdum, the political purge, an intensification of the mask mandate to become a needle mandate as a means of ferreting out dissidents. you got to admit, that's a good way to flush us out. Just look for the problem, children, the ones who will not play. She's not wearing a mask. He's not wearing a mask. Let me see your vaccine passports. Let me see your vaccine papers. Papers, please. We're there, folks. We're there. This is this is what we have come to. Jeff Tucker says, Thus does this mandate fulfill the illiberalism of our current moment in civic life and serve only to consolidate political power in the end. Because pure is never pure enough. Which is why Biden now says he demands 98% vaccination rates. Even small children at near zero risk are being roped in. And all of this will be ineffective in achieving its aims as the rest of the virus, as the rest of those virus control strategies. Now, is there a bright side to this? Perhaps. Jeffrey Tucker says over time, it only fuels public anger and builds a resistance force and gives rise to new institutions determined to preserve and practice the precious right of human freedom. I mean, what are we supposed to do? I I truly feel for the people who are being threatened with the loss of their job right now. Most of whom I'm sure are not doing it because I just feel like I got to make a political statement of, you know, every aspect of my life. I know there are people out there who are like that. I seriously doubt that describes the vast majority of the folks who are looking at uh, losing their jobs. What a time. You know, it's, it's bad enough in a great economy. Or it's like, well, okay, so that job, you know, didn't pan out. Or for some weird reason, they drummed me on out the door. But at least I have opportunity. I can take my skills, and these are very marketable skills, elsewhere. Nope. Not with that blanket mandate hanging over all of these companies that have more than 100 employees or that uh, employ healthcare workers. The threat's very real for them. We're talking five-figure fines for every instance of noncompliance. And yet there are a sufficient number of people who've been trained to think, well, it's the, this is the fault of the unvaccinated. You people with your, your 
your freedoms and your rights and your MAGA hats and whatever else they perceive as, as the problem. But they're not seeing the bigger problem. Since when should government and business be so intertwined? You know, really, this is this is this is what legit fascism consists of. That that uh, no longer being able to distinguish between the the corporate and political entities. Why don't people see a problem with that? Why can't people recognize? That government is uh, is exerting way too much control over these businesses and forcing them to be the heavy. Well, we may not have uh, absolute authority to make your employees do what we want them to do, but you do. So make them do it, or else we'll just come after you through regulatory means. Yeah, I'm thinking they're not on the right side of history on this one. Sorry, government. You blew it. I'm Brian Hyde, sitting in for Tim Alders. This is the Disciples of Liberty on the America Out Loud Network. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep can be infuriating. Your mind races. You toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's digital age makes it even harder. You're not alone with this struggle. Poor sleep affects over 70% of Americans. Even the Centers for Disease Control label insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. To take back your sleep, Healthy Cell has created REM Sleep, the only sleep supplement made to support all four stages of human sleep with calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support delivered in a patent-pending, pill-free, ultra-absorption microgel formula that tastes great. Fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM Sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. You know, Healthy Cell is a terrific lineup of products. They have products that are pill-free, gel-packed vitamins, uh, looking for better sleep, focus, and energy, check out Healthy Cell, the leading innovator in nutritional supplements for cell health. Healthy Cell has a product that helps REM sleep, helps you fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM sleep supplement. The only sleep supplement that's designed to support all stages of sleep. And boy, is it needed now during all the stress of the COVID-19 pandemic. So go to HealthyCell.com and use the code OUTLOUD, all capital letters, OUTLOUD, for a 20% off your first order of any product from Healthy Cell. I use them every day. I believe in them. And you should too. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. It was a vision that gave birth to a unique multimedia platform that would combine classic talk radio, great writers, and memorable podcasts and videos. AmericaOutloud.com is a conservative leader in a field that is predominantly run by far-left progressive globalists. Welcome to the new era in communications. America Out Loud Talk Radio.
welcome back. This is the Disciples of Liberty. I'm Brian Hyde, filling in for Tim Alders. And you are listening to the America Out Loud Network. So, yeah, how do you feel about living in a time where if you're non-compliant, you can be purged? And I know, it's it's a pretty minor thing. Well, they're just losing their job. It's not like they can't get another one. Really? Have you uh, have you checked the economic uh, conditions here lately? It's it's not a very pretty picture. Even though there's a huge labor shortage, which, you know, uh, go figure this out. If it was a legit, like real honest-to-goodness, all-hands-on-deck kind of situation where, you know, the hospitals are so overwhelmed, we just can't deal with all the patients. We need everybody who has any kind of medical training to come and help then you would think they would be very reticent about letting people go for failing to take the jab. But nope, out the door you go. You either comply or else. This just seems like straight-up tyranny to me. And there's got to be some way. Some enterprising soul has got to be working on how we can create a parallel system, if you will, of commerce, of education, of finance, where we don't have to jump through all these stupid hoops. Oh, I know, the government people, the, the control supremacists, they're, they're going to want to force it no matter what. But I think there, there are still enough of us, even if it's only a quarter of Americans who haven't been vaccinated, we should be able to, to come up with some kind of a mutual support system. I seriously lay awake at night and I think about this kind of stuff. And, and there are far brighter minds than mine working on this. What's it going to take to bring us all together to where we can, can start to organize our efforts and, and combine our efforts and, and, and just turn our backs on those heel clickers who demand, you will do this or else? Saw a great uh, article. This is actually a, an editorial from Issues and Insights. And it says, Biden's vaccine mandate gets more pointless every day. Three weeks ago, President Joe Biden told America he'd ordered his regulators to draw up emergency workplace rules requiring vaccinations for everyone working for big companies. Those rules have yet to emerge, and they might not emerge for another month and a half. Meanwhile, the Biden administration announced on Friday, which is the day politicians choose to release news when they want minimal coverage, that federal contractors will have until December 8th to comply with that part of his mandate. So more than two months from now. In other words, Biden hasn't managed to get his federal mandate implemented yet and won't for some time. What he has managed to achieve is dissension, confusion, lawsuits and worker shortages, as well as a steady decline in daily vaccination rates. I'm actually looking at the chart here that shows the vaccination rate per day from September 1st through the end of September, or at least as far in September. This article was published on September 26th. And by gosh, it was clear up over 800,000, probably closer to 900,000 vaccination doses administered every day up until about mm, end of the first week of September. But you can see a drop-off starting about September 12th and then going through the end of the month to where there are just barely 600,000 vaccinations a day taking place. Isn't that something? Put it down as another Biden success, says the editorial staff at Issues and Insights. 
Biden directed the Occupational Safety and Health Administration to create those emergency rules. Businesses will need them to know who can be exempted from the mandate and why, what the penalty will be for failing to comply, paperwork requirements, etc. Now, these businesses will also need to know they aren't violating the Americans with Disabilities Act while enforcing the Biden vaccine mandate. But the only concrete step that the administration has taken so far is to release its guidance covering federal contractors. Among other things, that guidance document says that even those who've had COVID or tested positive for the antibodies still have to get vaccinated. See, it's stuff like this that makes me think this is not about health. This is about control and has been. Biden's mandate, as well as those issued by states and corporations, have sparked a raft of lawsuits. Several federal workers and contractors, for example, have filed suit against the U.S. government. The American Postal Workers Union is in a wait-and-see mode to see what regulators come up with. Dozens of government workers in Washington state uh, filed suit against that state's mandate. New York state faces multiple lawsuits over its vaccine mandate for health care workers. And United Airlines employees filed a class-action lawsuit against the company's vaccine mandate. Now, the mandate's also threatening to cause shortages as workers who can't or won't get the virus or the, I'm sorry, the vaccine, that was a cool Freudian slip, quit or are fired. New York officials, for example, were said to be worried about the shortages of health care workers because of its mandate, which went into effect on Monday. Now, in New York City, a federal appeals court temporarily blocked a vaccine mandate for teachers that was supposed to go into effect on Monday out of fear that it would cause teacher shortages in the city. In Massachusetts, dozens of state troopers threatened to resign in the, st- in the face of the state's COVID-19 mandate. And then there's the fact that the Biden workplace mandate doesn't actually require all workers to be, ma- to be vaccinated. They just have to agree to be tested regularly. In the meantime, amid all these hassles, lawsuits, workplace disruptions, and before Biden's mandates make any difference, would it surprise you to learn that COVID rates have been falling all of September? That's a trend that started before Biden ever issued his mandate and based on previous outbreaks will continue. So what's the point of all this? Who is Biden trying to protect with his mandate? The ones who've chosen not to get vaccinated? Is it to protect the vaccinated, the people that Biden himself says are well protected by the vaccine? Or is there something more going on? Is this just an exercise in government control? If the public can be convinced to follow government orders here, what else can be declared a public health emergency? Global warming? Oh, you better believe they're looking at that right now. Inequality? Paid sick leave? The possibilities are endless. Just throw in the words public health emergency and there you've got the cheat code. You can do whatever you need to. And the Issues and Insights editorial board says, and if you don't think there are lots of leftists trying to figure out how to extend and expand these COVID mandates, you haven't been paying attention for the last 100 years. Kind of a crazy place to be, wouldn't you, th- wouldn't you say? So let's talk a little bit about something else that, uh, besides the mandates that should be on our minds. And this actually plays into the purge. And uh, how can a person withstand that pressure to remove them from polite society. Well, self-reliance, of course, is the obvious answer. How many people are in a position to be truly self-reliant, though? Meaning, 
There's very little leverage that can be used against you. Are you completely out of debt? Do you own your home free and clear? Do you have enough savings in the bank that you could pay your property taxes for years to come, assuming you live in a state with property taxes? Do you produce your own food? Do you have stores of food? Do you have skills to grow food? How about to work with small animals or livestock? Do you have the tools necessary to stand on your own? I'm really not trying to scare you. I'm just saying... All of a sudden, these things seem to be a much more pressing matter in light of the fact that there are people very actively celebrating every person who gets fired for refusing or for choosing, I should say, not to take the vaccine. I mean, some of them haven't been offered it and had to say no, just like Nancy Reagan told us to back in the 80s. Just say no. Some people... Myself included. Actually, nobody has ever actually offered it to me. So I haven't even had to tell them no, but I've just made my mind up that uh, I won't be forced. And I understand that with that comes the risk that, boy, that could put a target on your back. Good. I'll take that hit. So my kids don't have to be the ones to, to slog this thing out. But I guess my point here is if you're if you're going to be one of the people who is going to stand on your convictions, you had better have some degree of self-sufficiency. You better have the ability to take care of yourself and your loved ones because they're they're trying to close every the, the people in authority are trying to close every possible loophole so that they can get you in compliance. I don't know. I'm hoping that they have a good softball league in whatever uh, camp they put me in. I hope I have enough friends there that we have some fun times together. But I seriously wonder if that's what it's going to come down to at some point. And I don't want to make anybody nervous. It's it's bad enough that uh, you know you've got to get the control freaks you know rubbing their hands together and cackling wildly at the idea of we get to force you to do what we know is best. But have you been paying attention to the growing number of empty store shelves lately? I see this in my hometown grocery store, and granted, I'm living in a, in a smaller area. Um, I'm, not everybody is seeing this. But there are some very interesting shortages that are taking place. And what's even more interesting is to see the mainstream media starting to use terms like worsening and foreseeable future in describing these shortages. Michael Snyder has been writing about this for years. And and some people might accuse him of being chicken little. He's always going on about how there's going to be food shortages and whatnot. I like to think of him as one of those watchmen on the tower who has seen trends and said, hey, you may want to be aware of this because this could cause problems. And he's never warning it's all going to come at once. Boom, you know, we're going to be in this situation where everybody's starving. But he's been credible. He's been accurate in his assessments so when he says hey keep an eye on this these shortages are really happening in fact he says now the mainstream media is warning us to brace ourselves because they're going to get worse i've got two articles here from him i'll share the he references the article that he wrote earlier we'll we'll, we'll actually do this one in a minute but he says emails came pouring into him from people all over the country when he started talking about why 
those shortages are taking place. And he was talking with an industry insider, meaning the owner of a grocery store, I believe it was in the state of Maine. And he says, a lot of those emails confirmed conditions are at least as bad as I described. There were some people who didn't want to believe things were as bad as I was saying, but he says, there was one alarming email from someone who works in the supermarket industry that uh, I will share with you in the coming days. And actually, that's the one I'll share with you here in a few minutes. But he says, for most of us, we have lived our entire lives without ever having to be concerned about shortages. In fact, just a few years ago, it would have seemed crazy to suggest that we were on the verge of widespread shortages here in the United States. But now here we are, and we're being told that the shortages are going to continue to intensify. In fact, the Washington Post is telling us that the global chip shortage is already showing signs of worsening. This is from the article. The global semiconductor shortage that has paralyzed automakers for nearly a year shows signs of worsening as new coronavirus infections halt chip assembly lines in Southeast Asia, forcing more car companies and electronic manufacturers to suspend production. A wave of Delta variant cases in Malaysia, Vietnam, and the Philippines is causing production delays at factories that cut and package semiconductors, creating new bottlenecks on top of those caused by soaring demand for chips. Michael Snyder says that's really bad news because that chip shortage is affecting thousands of other industries. For example, global vehicle production is way down due to the chip crisis. And that's resulted in a growing shortage of new vehicles on dealer lots all over the nation. Again, from the article, the chip famine is starving the global auto industry and putting car buyers on a strict diet. So far this year, 7 million cars that were supposed to be produced haven't been. That's according to IHS market data. Auto agencies are shutting down production lines for weeks at a time, furloughing employees as a result of the chip shortage. Toyota has slashed its production 40% in September. And all of this is hitting consumers. Car dealer lots across the U.S. are sparse. The inventory of new cars is only about 30% of pre-pandemic levels. And buyers snap up used cars the second they find them. Now, Michael Snyder says, of course, we aren't facing a shortage of everything. There are certain products that are still quite plentiful, and there are some areas that are being affected a lot more than others. So what you're seeing in your neck of the woods may differ from what other people are experiencing. But he says there are shortages, or at least some shortages, that are definitely being felt all over the country. When the COVID-19 pandemic first started to sweep across the U.S. last year, it sparked a huge run on toilet paper. And now it's apparently starting to happen again. Costco Wholesale is having trouble fulfilling toilet paper orders. The membership-only warehouse retail chain now issuing a warning to consumers that have purchased the common household item online saying you may face delays in receiving your orders. And unfortunately, this could just be the beginning. According to an expert just interviewed by Fox News, or Fox Business rather, there will soon be another massive shortage of toilet paper as soon as supply chains soon, rather, as supply chains continue to suffer due to pandemic-related issues. Bert Flickinger, on Fox Business's Mornings with Maria, said product shortages are as bad as they were in the beginning of COVID and are coming back. Now, Michael Snyder says, did you ever imagine we would be talking about such a thing in late 2021? A lot of optimists out there assumed the economy would be booming by now. But instead, the machinery of our economy has been gummed up really badly. 
At this point, there's even a growing shortage of alcoholic beverages. Here's a report. This is the Pennsylvania State Board in charge of consumer liquor sales announced last week that it was limiting customers to two bottles of certain alcoholic beverages per day. The Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board said the purchase limit on select items, including Hennessy Cognac, Buffalo Trace Bourbon, and Patron Tequila, will be in place for the foreseeable future. Liquor store customers in New York, or rather in North Carolina, are encountering out-of-stock signs instead of their favorite spirits amid an ongoing supply shortage there. Now, Michael Snyder says, of course, many of these problems could be solved if we just had enough workers. As he pointed out recently, we are in the midst of the worst labor shortage we have ever experienced. All over the nation, critical labor shortages are crippling the ability of organizations to get things done. And now Joe Biden's mandates are going to cause gigantic headaches and make things a lot worse. Even NPR is running stories about this and how it's affecting employers. I can't afford to lose anyone, says Ted Leneve, CEO of Acura Healthcare, which operates 34 nursing homes and assisted living facilities in Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, and South Dakota. Because of staffing shortages, they've had to limit admissions, turning down patients coming from hospitals. With about a 1,000 of his employees... That's 38% of his workforce unvaccinated. Leneve is calling on the federal government to provide a testing option for health care workers. Now, if Biden doesn't change his approach, that company, that one company alone, will have to let about a thousand workers go. Leneve says, I just don't see how I can lay off a thousand people. I'd have no one to take care of the patients and there's nowhere to send the patients. So Biden's mandates could start going into effect around the end of the year. And that could represent a real turning point for the economy. Now, it's, it's hard to share this stuff without feeling like, I, I hope I'm not pumping the, the flames of fear. Because this is pretty bad news. Michael Snyder says, we are moving into such troubled times, but most people desperately want to believe better times are just around the corner. He says, through good times and bad, the U.S. economy has always been highly resilient. Most of us would like to assume that it will continue to be highly resilient. But the truth is, things are starting to break down on a very basic level, and the outlook as we head toward the end of the year is not good at all. So let's talk about what's causing these shortages at the local supermarkets. Michael Snyder says the supply chain crisis that our supermarkets are facing is far worse than the mainstream media has been telling us. The mainstream media keeps trying to put a happy face on temporary shortages, but An industry insider has let him know what's really going on behind the scenes. And this particular insider runs a grocery store in Maine. And he says things are as bad as he has ever seen. In fact, he says, I've never seen anything close to what's happening now. This is an email that he sent Michael Snyder the other day. He says, you can use this, just don't use my name. Michael Snyder says, I haven't received an email this startling in a long time. But he says, as you read this email, I think you'll quickly understand why I'm saying this. So his friend who sent him the email says, I'm self-employed for 25 years now, independent IGA affiliated grocery store in coastal Maine. Supply issues are real. My supplier has limited us on orders for about a month now. Limited the physical number of cases we can order. Now, their issue is or was mainly the help crisis in their warehouse, order pickers and truck drivers. 
Same story everywhere. I know. Many of the items that uh, you've commented about are the same here. Very limited Gatorade, gallon water, sketchy at best. Sometimes we get it, sometimes we don't. I've not seen many supply issues in stock. Rather poor quality issues there. Much more than normal. Deli, bakery, yes, lots of -of out-of-stocks and long-term unavailable, as my supplier likes to word it on the invoice. In the center store, dry grocery, what like what others are saying, tons of -of out-of-stocks. Meat supply is fair, but pricing is extremely high, shockingly high to me. The middle class is slowly being destroyed with these price hikes, death by a thousand cuts of sorts, I guess. And then this email writer says, my Frito-Lay delivery person tells me that he is getting 55 to 60% of what he's ordering. My last Nabisco order had 30% out of stocks. Over the years, we always get 99 to 100% of what was ordered. Pepperidge Farm Cookies. He tells me some weeks he's only getting half of what he orders. Now, here's the thing that makes this serious. These people all work on commission. If they don't or can't sell it to me, they don't get paid or they get paid less. He says, when we place our liquor order twice a week out of the stocks, out of stocks there, rather, are running 30% on most orders. This commodity was always 99.5 to 100% fill rate over the years. Always. And just to put this into perspective, we're not talking about, you know, the, the latest kid to hire on as a stalker. He says, it's frustrating. As I said, self-employed 25 years, worked for Kroger 25 years before that. So 50 to 51 years in this business. Never seen anything close to what is happening right now. Add to that a far-left governor in both houses here in Maine, Democrat-controlled. I just know we're on the verge of another mask mandate. And a lockdown of sorts would not surprise me again as we move into the colder months. As you've seen, I'm sure, Maine is in the news with COVID cases surge, so they say. And he concludes by saying, I come to work every day, holding my breath for what's next for our business and the 35 people that I employ here in Maine. Now, Michael Snyder says this industry insider is trying to order normal quantities, but his suppliers are often unable to completely fulfill them. And as you can see from the email, the shortages are widespread, and this is the worst they have been during the entire pandemic so far. So instead of sitting around being scared or wringing your hands over it, he says, if there's something you need to stock up on, I would grab it if it's still on the shelves, because pretty soon it may be completely gone. He says, on Friday, I went to the grocery store, and they were out of several things I wanted to purchase. Unfortunately, we continue to get more confirmations that this is going to become the new normal. For example, according to Bloomberg, meat reserves in this country have plunged to dangerously low levels. A U.S. report Wednesday showed beef reserves down 7.7% from a year ago in August. Poultry supplies slumped 20%. Pork bellies, which are sliced into bacon, dropped 44% to the lowest level since 2017. See, that hurts, because I really love bacon. In most cases, Michael Snyder says, supermarkets still have meat on the shelves, but it is definitely a lot more expensive than it used to be, and we're being told to brace ourselves for more price hikes in the months ahead. Of course, other retailers are facing severe supply shocks as well. A few days ago, another reader sent an email in which he described what he's seeing at his local pharmacy. The big issue is the local drugstore, Rite Aid. 
The place is thin at best and stripped in some areas. Like last week, there was no zinc available. The beer cases are also noticeably sparse. The main issue, however, is at the pharmacy. Six or eight months ago, you could walk in and have your prescription filled inside of 20 minutes. If you called in the prescription the day before, it was waiting for you. Not so anymore. Yesterday, I went to pick up a prescription for my wife that had been called in last week. Not only was it not ready, but I had to wait an hour before it was filled. There were nine cars in the drive-up queue. I opted to walk in, and it was nearly as bad. The young woman that helped me was clearly not local, with bicolor hair and a large, glaring, obvious, in-your-face uh, uh, befomet? Befome sim- symbol around her neck? I'm not familiar with the name. Anyway, this person says, I had a chat with the manager on the way out and asked him, hey, what's up with pharmacy staffing? I hadn't seen the regular pharmacist for a few months. And he blamed it all on the city for not having any affordable housing and mentioned that Albertson's Pharmacy, Albertson's and Ridley's were all very short on help. True. So right now, dozens and dozens of drugs are in short supply. In fact, the official FDA drug shortage list has 149 entries on it right now. Michael Snyder says, that's the most I've ever seen. As these shortages persist, retailers are going to start implementing more limits. Last week, we learned Costco has already started to pull the trigger, saying last Thursday it was reinstating limits on purchases of toilet paper, paper towels, and bottled water. See, they won't call it rationing, but that's essentially what it is. And we're being told to expect significant price increases because supply chains are causing costs to go through the roof. Costco this week joined the long list of retailers sounding the alarm about the escalating shipping prices and the accompanying supply chain issues. The warehouse retailer had a similar cautionary tone back in May when it was joined by was recently joined by athletic wear giant Nike and economic bellwethers FedEx and General Mills in discussing similar concerns. See, unless you live in and around the coast and you you are prone to know what's going on with shipping, you probably wouldn't recognize how much the cost to ship containers overseas has gone up in recent months. So getting a 40-foot container from Shanghai to New York cost about $2,000. That was about a year and a half ago, before the COVID pandemic. Now it runs some $16,000, according to Bank of America. Michael Snyder says, look, I've been warning that rampant inflation and shortages were coming for a long time. A lot of people didn't want to believe me at first. And so he asks, if you were one of those doubters, do you believe me now? He says, during the first half of this year, many economic optimists assured us the U.S. economy would be booming by this point. But instead, our economic infrastructure is being shaken on a very basic level and We're facing enormous price hikes and very painful shortages throughout the rest of this year and into next year. He says events have begun to slide out of control, and it certainly wouldn't take too much to push us into a full-blown avalanche. I feel like I need to apologize because this this is really, this is bad news. Or at least it's unpleasant news. And I don't care how squared away or how prepared you are, the prospect of seeing all of your neighbors and your, your fellow countrymen struggling to provide for basic needs, the thought of that is, is absolutely daunting. And I realize we're not there yet, and I'm certainly not wishing for it. The part that concerns me, though, is there's such a huge disconnect, at least when it comes to food. A shockingly small amount of people understand how food gets from the farm to their fork. Now, if you're lucky, 
you live in an area where you have CSA, community-supported agriculture, which are small farms which grow and market their food exclusively to the people in their area. So you buy a share in the CSA, and every week or every couple of weeks, they supply you with the food that they're harvesting. And it can run the whole gamut from, hey, look, we have raw milk, we have uh, range-free eggs, we have, you know, carrots and potatoes and other different, uh, different types of produce. It can actually be a pretty good deal. But what about the people who don't have the ability to either grow their own food or to, you know, find a CSA where they are? That's a little bit scary. And that's where the supply chain breakdown could be the most costly. I remember a friend telling me about some inner city kids being taken to a grocery store. And, you know, they they were excited, you know, to learn a little bit about, uh, uh, about uh, you know, where their food came from. So the thought was given, well, let's take them to a farm. Let's show them where, where it really comes from. And as, as luck would have it, they went to a dairy. And the kids refused to believe that milk actually came out of those cows, those smelly Animals standing around mooing. The kids are like, no way. There is no way that the milk I drink every day comes from something like that. And so uh, one of the people, one of the adults who was with him says, well, you know, where do you think it comes from? You get it at the grocery store, obviously. You see that it exists. Where do you suppose it came from? And the kid's answer was, I don't know. They they have ways at the store. (laughs) Yeah. We better reach out and embrace reality while we can. I'm Brian Hyde, sitting in for Tim Alders. This is the Disciples of Liberty on the America Out Loud Network.